0: In the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Congratulations! The church is beautiful. Thanks to all of you for all of the hard work that's been put into it. And um, I realized today that Saint Basil's like active month from now on is going to be <laughs> January 14th to February 15th, because the three altars of the church of the of Saint Basil, Saint Anthony, and the 21 Martyrs are each spaced two weeks apart. Um, so St. Basil's on the 14th of January, St. Anthony on the 30th, um, and the new Martyrs, 21 Martyrs of Libya, on February 15th. So I'm going to be gone for both of those. So we, St. Basil gave us up here by his feast, and St. Anthony had us ready for his feast, and God willing, um, all will be done by the Martyrs. So since St. Anthony hooked us up, and since I'm not going to be here, for his feast, I don't know how many of you know his story well, so I won't... I'll try not to go for too long, because of St. Anthony I could probably go for days. But I think every youth should be forced to, or every Christian should be forced to read the Bible um, on the Incarnation by St. Athanasius, um, and Life of Antony by, by St. Athanasius. Because the... Um, the core of all Christian life and doctrine can be found easily in all in all three of those. So, St. Anthony who we're finally, thank God, have an altar for um, was born 251 a long time ago, um, almost 1800 years ago now, just shy of, of, of 1800 years. He was born in Beneswif um, which is Near central Egypt In a city called Qimn And that city still exists um, Like it has That's the, the modern um, name for it And He was actually born To to rich parents So this isn't somebody for example who Liked God Because Life sucked right? Because sometimes we're accused of, of Clinging to God just because Things are rough but actually things were going really well For him uh, most of his life, his parents owned a farm, and that area of Egypt, because of, of the way that the Nile flows, is a rich area in the sense that if you owned land, if you had a farm, you were going to make a lot of money off of what you sold. So Saint Anthony's parents were well off, and that's why he could also afford to go to school. Um, he just wasn't interested in school, and so he dropped out um, when it was socially acceptable to do so <laughs> at the time, because it says Saint Athanasius said because he was just so fixed on the gospel. Um, it wasn't out of laziness. It wasn't out of um, disregard because he actually worked very hard, um, but rather that he just his heart burned for something else. So he liked to spend time in meditation. He liked to spend time um, alone meditating on on the gospels. So it was him he had a younger sister, um, and he dropped out. When it says that Saint Anthony wasn't lettered. Um, One of the common understandings of that that I subscribe to personally is that meant he didn't know Greek. Um, He knew Coptic. That was the language of the people. So he could read and write Coptic, which is why he was so familiar with scriptures and why he also wrote um, letters. But he used to meditate a lot on the apostles and how they left everything um, and (laughs) and followed Christ. Um, and this was something that he obsessed over. <laughs> She's finally talking to me. Um, so when he was 18 or 20, we're not sure, his parents um, passed away at the same time. So I'm assuming it was some kind of tragedy if they both went at the same time. Um, we don't know the circumstances. <laughs> All right. um, so we don't know the circumstances um, of it. And so St. Anthony was now forced to take care of his of his younger sister. Um, but it says that even then, his heart was still burning um, with the love of God and wondering in his mind, what did it mean? Like, what did it mean for um, the disciples to get up and leave everything? And in this context, things were a little bit rough because St. Anthony was born and, and raised during a period where um, persecution was heavy in Egypt. We had 10 great persecutions before the year 313. 313 is when the Edict of Tolerance came out by Emperor Constantine, where Christianity was legalized, where it was now allowed for you to be a Christian. Up till then, it was illegal um, to be a Christian. So the, the, the environment that they're used to is one of fear, one of hiding, one of, of not having your faith on your shoulder, um, as seen as a positive thing. It was something very distressing... Um, in terms of how it was dealt with. So, St. Anthony one time was so fixated on this that he was praying about it the whole way to church. And when he arrived at church, um, the gospel that was read, which was the gospel um, from, I think, Matins this morning, uh, Matthew 19, um, which is where somebody was seeking to follow the Lord, and the Lord said, If you wish to be perfect, um, go, sell all that you have, give the profit to the poor, and come and follow me. And so because he'd been praying about this for so long, he took this as a very direct message, but he also didn't immediately act on it. Um, He prayed about it some more, um, and then started to ask God, well, what about my sister, what about these issues? Um, Like, am I responsible for that? And so again, after praying about that for a long time, when he went to church, the gospel reading was, um, take no thought for the morrow; sufficient to the days, the evil thereof. And so with that, he actually worked his way to the edge of the city, um, because no monasteries as of yet existed, which is why we call him the father of monasticism. So when he moved to the outskirts of the city, this is where, um, he showed the roots of monastic life, which is discipleship, which is also the roots of Christian life. Because rather than him going out and saying, I know everything, I love God, God told me to do this, he didn't assume that he knew everything, and moved to the edge of the city. And there, there were some solitary elders, some older men, that lived in communion with the city. They bought and they sold, they had lives, but they were just living on their own. And from them, he tried to learn um, virtue. So St. Athanasius said from one he learned patience, from another one long-suffering, from another one kindness, from another one compassion, from another one silence. He, he he St. Athanasius gives him the analogy of being like a bee that's going around to collect nectar um, in order to produce um, the honey in the end. And what's impressive about this is that if you can think of in our own societies the people who kind of like are walking around trying to learn stuff, we tend to consider them goody-two-shoes or a suck-up or like a brown noser and you might not like them right but we see that saint anthony had a grace to him so different from everybody else's that these people said about him that he was surpassing them in the very things that they taught him but in a way that they loved him um they loved him so much that they gave him that title philotheos or loved by god um that they felt that he was different from them, and that instead of being jealous or angry or worked up by him, they were moved by him um, and saw him as, as a kind of, of prodigy. And from there, he desired to have even more isolation. Um, and so after having learned from them, he asked first if one of the elders would be willing to move out further with him. Um, and the other said, this isn't my thing, I'm old, this isn't this isn't the time for me to do that, but you go ahead. So even in this he asked, he didn't, he was never self-guided. Um, so he went to the outskirts of this, he went past the outskirts of the city now, and he's, he dwelt in um, a grave. So those of you who have been to maybe old Cairo, um, or Cairo in general, you'll see that they're still, and in the site, they have... Um, almost like houses, sometimes they even look like churches, they, they decorate from the outside, they'd be buried in, a, in an above-ground um, tomb, so it'd be something that you could live in. So he, he lived in one of those. And the enemy of good, um, who lives in the places of the dead, this is what Christ said, um, wasn't exactly happy that St. Anthony was doing this, um, nor was he happy that this person was defying normal life, right? Because here's a guy who's saying, I'm taking a, I'm not going to get married. I'm going to devote myself only to Christ. I had lots of money. I got rid of it. I didn't care about a single penny of it because um, he, he gave his sister to the care of some people and gave a little bit of money to them and the rest he gave to the poor where he had no attachments. And so the devil started playing him first by imagery, right? And this is how the devil works in our own spiritual lives. First, he'll start off with the basic things, whereas like, okay, you're you're messed up that you left women, Um, so I'll show you women, I'll bring you women, right, so when he was in the city, he'd be seeing them, when he left them, he's like, all right, I'll give you phantasms of women, I will bring people knocking on your door, so that you are forced to think about this, right, this is, often you might find in your own spiritual life that you stop doing a particular sin or you cut off a particular sin. So the devil's not going to be like, Oh, good for you, I'm so proud of you. Right. He'll bring it right back to you to your door, right? And be like, Are you sure you want to leave this behind? This is really good. Right? So he brings a sale of of, of repackaged goods. So he brought him women, um, brought him money, right? He brought all these things which was it very interesting to Saint Anthony. Um, on one episode of his life he's even a little sarcastic um, or so it seems, anyway. Where there's this tray of money left in the wilderness, um, and Saint Anthony's like, really, like, really, like, who leaves a whole tray on a platter in the middle of the desert um, of money? Like, like the context is it makes no sense. It's not even like a fallen bag. Um, it's it's a tray, um, and so he walked by it like it wasn't even even there. And so the devil, obviously, even more, was frustrated by this. So it says that he went from. First reminding him, I forgot that part, was first was the memory, right? And this is why whenever we stop a sin, the first thing is to remember it, right? He started off with the memory of sin by saying, don't you remember what it was like? What about your sister? You left your sister behind. What kind of brother are you? Um, what about the life you could have lived? There's nothing wrong with marriage. Why are you so anti-marriage, right? All of these things first there, that didn't work. Then he's like, I'll show you images of it. And so first he gave him dreams. Um, many sleepless nights. A lot of monks will talk about that as being one of their first warfare.s Is that if, if is that they'll dream about everything um, and have very vivid, disturbing dreams. And when that wasn't enough, then the devil decided that he was going to really freak him out. And these are the same levels of spiritual warfare, not just for a monk but for a person, Right? It starts with memory, and then it starts with it starts off by tra- tempting you to do the wrong physically. If you stop doing the wrong physically, he'll tempt you with the memory. If you get over the memory, he'll bring you images, whether it's in dreams or in illusions. And then the last step is that he'll fight you himself. Many of us blame the devil for warfares that are often not the devil, but they're just you. Um, In the sense that sometimes the devil has nothing to do with it. Um, And it's, it's you fighting yourself, which is still an important warfare. It's just not him. But when the devil came to him himself, he beat him mercilessly. Um, so at this point, St. Anthony is living in the this, in this cemetery, and he had a young, um, a young youth from the city would come at regular intervals bringing dry bread um, and salt to him. So a lot of people think that dry bread is somehow magically ascetic. It's not. Um, the point of, of something like dry bread was just that it didn't go bad. Right? So it was something easy and simple so that he wouldn't need to be dependent on people because you could store it for a long time. They would just add a little bit of water to it and it was moist again and they could eat it and maybe a little bit of salt for flavoring. In other regions that were richer, like in Wadi Natrun, for example, um, they would eat lentils, they would eat vegetables that grew in the, in the area. And so the, the devil came and just completely beat him to a pulp um, to the point that he was left almost for dead. And... During all of this he held faith um, and the young man from the city that came to bring him his bread happened to come by providence during that time and found Anthony almost dead um, and lifted him and carried him um, back to the church where he laid him on the ground and he was unconscious. So Antony came to um, in the middle of the night in the church and freaked out that how dare they take him away from the battle um, and even though he was bruised, beaten, um, and probably not in a good way, um, limped his way back um, and commanded the guy leave him alone. He's like, take me back or leave me alone, but I'm going back to my, to my place. I'm not afraid of this guy. Um, so when he came back, the devil started beating him again until the Lord of Glory himself appeared, um, healing him of all of his wounds. And Antony asks him, and this is one of the most beautiful things, that Antony is one of the most, like, Real people. Anthony is not a, a faker, and he's he's happy that he's healed. But he looks up at God and just says, "Where were you? <laughs> Where were you when this was happening?" And you'll see that regularly in the life of Anthony is that he's not afraid to ask God questions. And because of his love for Him, he knows that he has that boldness before God, and God always respects it. And God's response to him was, "Anthony, I was with you the whole time, right? But so well were you fighting that why would I take away?" this crown that you have, that of how victorious that you were on your own, right? Like this is, this is where we get our crowns is when we battle all grace means I didn't do anything, right? Often we don't want spiritual struggle, but it's the spiritual struggle that brings forth the fruit, right? If I struggle with something, I overcome it and I learn something and I grow from it. It's like if a parent were to always do their kid's homework, their kid will never know anything. Right? Yes, they might struggle with it, but you have to let them struggle with it. And this is what our Lord was saying to Anthony, saying, you needed this. Um, and he needed it indeed because he would end up, as we'll see later, teaching the whole world how to deal with these things. He literally wrote the book on how to deal with these things. Um, so from there, Anthony wanted even more. So God directed him to the inner... Um, desert which is near Suef and Fayyum. Um, <laughs> today it's called Dir al-Maimun um, and that was his first place of abode and he stayed there in complete solitude for 20 years. So for 20 whole years he didn't see the face of a single human being. There was no um, discussion, there was no anything um, similar to what St. Paul the Anchorite did. And we know nothing for the most part about what happened during those years um, but only that God was preparing him for the tasks that would come because as people started to hear about him they started to visit and they just want to get near where he was living and just being near enough was enough for them to be healed um, was enough for them to find comfort so they all came and at one point they came and they were banging on his door and demanding that he come out and they wanted him to come out as a teacher, and it seems by some divine command that God had told him to, he came out of his cell for the first time in two decades. Um, and it was said of him, and again, this is a typical Antonian thing of his balanced life. They said he was neither fat, like St. Nathaniel actually writes that, as one who just sat lazily, right, for just sitting in his in his room and, and eating randomly. Nor did he come out frail and thin, as one who'd be overly beating himself. He was neither extreme. And this is the the core of St. Anthony's teaching has always been discernment about not going extreme in any direction, but rather that he came out completely as he went in, that that was Anthony only that his face was so beautiful to behold. Um, and it was like on cue, he just started teaching. Um, so it says that he was teaching and he was healing. Um, and so anybody that was sick with diseases brought them to him. People... Um, who were possessed of unclean spirits, and all sorts of miracles, the same as the apostles did, so did um, Antony. And so now the people started to want to mimic his life. And this is, by this time, because he was 20 when he left to the edge of the city, he was in his mid-40s when he was in the tomb, Um, so he would have been in his early 60s now. Um, when he came out of his seclusion. So this is around the time of the Edict of Tolerance of of Emperor Constantine, where now Christianity was legal. And so the response of the people is that they had loved to die for Christ. Um, they They felt proud that they were considered worthy. And so when they were deprived of being killed physically, they were saying to God, I'm not done giving you my life. So if they're not going to demand of you my blood, I will give it to you voluntarily and willingly. And this is this, this was the beginning of monasticism. Um it was a, a, an earnest desire of martyrdom, uh, of being a living sacrifice um, to God. It wasn't initially one of repentance. It wasn't initially one of um, pursuit necessarily of um, perfection of virtue. That happened more as a consequence. It was a, a desire to be a living offering um, to God, and so as his disciples increased, um, Anthony um, was fed up um, in the sense that he he didn't want to be social, so he asked um, God to relieve him of this, and so God had plans for him, um, but he said, first go to the eastern desert. So he followed apparently some Bedouins. Um, and he'd have warfare along the way, and his favorite um, um, psalm was Psalm 27. He'd often quote from Psalm 27. Um, and he went where he found a palm tree um, and a spring of water, and that is where the monastery of St. Anthony the Great is today. That palm garden is still there. The spring is still there, um, and his cave is still there. Um, and he And he lived there. And again, as a very real person, as Anthony was out there, he actually, his first struggle when he was out there was boredom. Um, And again, like, St. Anthony is is a real. And so he actually called out um, to God and he goes, listen, I'm I'm bored. Um, Like, I'm I'm here, but I don't know what to do. Um, And so God sent him a vision. He saw an angel. Dressed as what we now see as a monk, only didn't have this, the thing in the middle or the crosses. He just wore a head covering, um, which we call the kulunso or the, or the alaswa. Um, and he wore a, a girdle, a belt, which we now call the escheme, the schema, um, and, a, and a tunic. Um, and the monk would pray, the angel as a monk would pray a little, um, sleep a little, and eat a little. Um, just in moderation. And then a voice simply said to Antony, do this and you will be saved. And so that was the rule of St. Antony. He spent a decent amount of time um, in prayer, some time in sleep, and some time, um, i forgot the third one already. Um, and so he lived a balanced life, but the people weren't okay with just leaving him at that. And so they're like, where did he go? Let's go find him. Um, so they went back and St. Antony was told by God at this point um, it's a very, like, not clear reading in the English, I, I haven't looked at the Greek, where it almost sounds like Christ gave Antony from this point a freedom from the passions, um, where he says, I'm, I'm freeing you from this now to be a teacher of this way. Um, and so when the monks came to him, he became their tutor. Um, and he discipled many great people. He's the one who tonsured St. Macarius the Great as a monk. Um, Didymus the Blind came to him for advice. These are all illustrious men in the in the church. Um, and they all spent time in his cave, which makes his cave an even more blessed place. Um, and he started teaching them about spiritual warfare. I really, really encourage you all to read The Life of Antony. It's not very long. Um because he has the full sermon in there about it. And there's little things that St. Anthony taught that none of us appreciate because we grew up, for the most part, doing this and being told to do this. It was St. Anthony who first taught if the devil comes doing anything or you have fear, do the sign of the cross. Right? We take that for granted now as just a, a common practice, but it was St. Anthony who first said that, right? because he used it um, and tested it with it. Sometimes the monk, he would talk about how the devil's cunning, how he would try and get somebody to do wrong or try and get them to do right in the wrong way, right? So, for example, the devil would come to wake him up um, and say, you need to pray. Um, And Antony would respond saying, nope, I'm sleeping. Um, He's like, there's a time to sleep and there's a time to pray. I'm not listening to you, right? So even in this, because if he were to kill himself sleeping too little in the name of prayers, what kind of prayer would that be and what kind of thing would it be for, for his health? Right Other times um, he would talk about how they'd bring him knowledge of things that he doesn't need to know anything about, right is knowing that sometimes the devil will feed you with useless information either to make you worked up or to make you think you're a saint or for other reasons. so there's a story, for example, of um, a few monks had a question about whether or not the devil could reveal um, information to them, and on their way to see Saint Anthony, the donkey died, um, and so they had to walk a certain portion of the way. And they got to him, they sat down to eat, and the first thing St. Anthony asked them was, um, or not asked them, said to them was, I'm, I'm sorry that your donkey died on the way. Um, and then they said, how did you know? And he goes, the devil's told me. Um, like he told them, their, <laughs> the answer to the question advance. He's Like, yes, he gives you useless knowledge. And he would say to the devil, what is that to me? I don't care. Right? I don't care what's going on. Because... He was trying to teach us that the devil will sometimes give you something that you want, even things that look good for the sake of your ego, for the sake of you um, being prominent in front of the people. Um, he also um, knows scripture inside out. Antony's Anthony's letters and Antony's sermons are full of scripture, which shows that, as we already knew from a young age, but he consistently kept his discipline of the Gospels, of reading the Bible. And because of it, he always had responses to the devil. But his confidence was never in himself, because in spite of all of this, he kept his humility. Um, For example, one time he he said he could see all the snares laid out by the devil, and he said, God, how do I even cross this? Um, One version of the story says that God responded, the other version says that the devil responded, but the answer is the same, humility. And so when the devils would come to taunt him, sometimes they'd come as wild beasts um, shaking his his cave. Sometimes they would make taunting noises. They tried all different stuff. One time, um, St. Anthony's response to them, like I'm saying his humility even in front of demons, right, was to say to them, I'm weaker than the weakest of you. What do you want from me? Right? like Who would have thought that that would have been the, the response? Another time when they were making a whole show, his response to them was, um, I have no power. All power comes from God. So if any one of you has authority over me, it has to be because God gave it to you. So bring it. I'll submit to God. But you don't need this whole ruckus because if you had power, you wouldn't need to have a show. So whatever you're allowed to do, go ahead and do it, right? But his confidence here, which sounds like confidence, isn't in himself, right? His confidence is like, oh, I can take you down. I'm so smart. I know, blah, blah, blah. It's God gives power, not you, not me. So if you're doing this, it means that you're you're weak. So he put his confidence um, outside of himself. And this is why he continued to be god beloved. Whenever he couldn't understand, for example, something in scripture, sometimes the monks would ask him a question. Um, One of the monks noticed that he would go for a walk. He would say, give me time to think about it, and I'll come back. So one of the monks followed him one time. Um, They're asking a question, I think, about Jeremiah. And so he snuck out to the back um, and just looked up to heaven and said, God, send me Jeremiah, I don't understand. Um, And Jeremiah came right down in front of him and and told him, what I meant was this, what I was saying was this, what I was prophesying was this. And the monk witnessed it and was so um, bewildered at at what he um, had witnessed. And as a result of his meditation, because some people only look at the supernatural, he had a sharp mind. Um, And so you see different debates um, of both um, pagans and atheists mocking God. And Antony's response to them is not like, oh, uh, let me show you this cool miracle. Um, He actually battles with reason line by line with them to the point that they felt humiliated. by by his wisdom because they expected him to be ignorant um, and they found him to be exceptionally bright. He also um, wished to be a martyr, right? That was his earnest desire. And so St. Anthony very, very, very rarely left the monastery. um, And one of them was that he was hoping that he would get killed, so he went down, and the governors were, were slaughtering all the people we keep reading about in the Um and Saint Anthony would go and minister to them. He'd clean their wounds. He would preach to them. He would tell them to keep strong in the faith. All of this was illegal, and he expected to be killed for it. But Saint Anthony was like, by some providence, he just wouldn't get killed. Um, and to the point where the governor himself ordered him to stop. And he defied the governor, kept going like this, Will for sure get me killed. Um, and he just wouldn't get killed. They just wouldn't touch him, um, which St. Athanasius was like, it was for the benefit of the whole world. Because without him, there wouldn't be um, this monastic life. So that was one of the first times. Another time was for St. Athanasius. St. Athanasius um, was just a boss himself. Um Got to serve him for a few years in the monastery, and there's we have a small tea tradition, which means you can believe it or not; it's up to you. That um, Saint Anthony edited on the Incarnation for him. That they would ha- go on walks, um, and and Athanasius would talk to him about about what he's teaching, what he's saying, and Anthony would would direct it, um, which is why you'll see very similar language of in on the Incarnation in the letters. Um, of St. Anthony. But at any rate, they had a deep uh, bond between them. And St. Anthony in particular loved monastic life because he was exiled five times and most of his exiles, he was hiding in monasteries. The monks loved him and protected him. So when Arius was wreaking havoc um, in the church, he started telling people, um, Antony um, believes what I believe because it was like the whole celebrity affiliation if he could convince the people that Saint Anthony agreed with him they would for sure leave Saint Athanasius and um um and and join with Arius so first Antony had a vision in which he saw the church being violently assaulted he saw a church the altar being desecrated um but that over a time th- that it was restored and so he told them he said this is Arius, and this is what he did, he left the monastery, like this is the second leaving, and told the people, I have nothing to do with Arius. Um he is a heresy arc, the opposite of like a of a hierarch, um, and like an arch heretic essentially. Um and cared enough about the people, because again, even even a monk lives for the church, not for him or herself, not a a monastic. Um, to clarify that no, this is not where, where um, I stand. It was also known, I know I'm going a lot longer than I expected, I'm sorry, this is still the brief version, I encourage you to read it, um, for his compassion. Um, his compassion and his and his gentleness. There's a story of um, an arrogant Palestinian monk, no offense, um, who had heard of the great Anthony and came to see what he was like and the people were like. And when he came, he was shocked to find that the monks were sitting down, resting, having leisure time, eating um, and drinking and chatting and, and and chilling, essentially. And he was like, this is what you guys do. We thought this was the great Antony who, like, is so strict and severe on his body, who did cast out demons. The guy is a novice. Um, we do this and this and this and this where we are. So Antony knew his thoughts. Um, and so he said, come here, Um and he gave him a bow, like a bow and arrow for like archery, and goes, all right, tighten the, the the bow so you can um, shoot some arrows. And he was like, okay. And he's like, more, more. And he kept on telling him to tighten it, tighten it, tighten it, tighten it. And so the guy was like, I can't. It's, it's going to snap. And so St. Anthony was like, exactly. He goes, this is what it is like with a human being. Okay? You can't tauten it, tauten it, tauten it beyond measure because they'll snap. There has to be balance. There's a time to eat, there's a time to pray, there's a time to talk. So don't judge people just because they're not doing things the way that that you would. Um, The one of his compassion that I particularly like is um, a really famous story of a monk who made mistakes. I've used it a lot in the sermons. Um, Probably fell into fornication, but we don't know. And so they kicked him out of his monastery. And so... The monk was humiliated, and so he went um, on a journey to see St. Anthony. And when he got to St. Anthony, um, he told them his story, told them what happened. So St. Anthony said, okay, go go back, tell them Anthony told, tells you to accept me back, um, and and they should take you. He went back and they refused him. So he came back crying to St. Anthony. St. Anthony goes, okay, I'll go with you. So the third major leaving is one of complete compassion and, and service. And he took him back to the monastery And just looked at the monks who had refused him and and gave them a short story for them to understand what they were doing. And he said, a certain ship was out to sea and a great storm overtook the ship such that one of the people on the ship was thrown into the stormy waters and almost drowned. With great effort, we were able to rescue the one who was in the water and get him back on the ship. Would you now take him and throw him back into the sea? And left. Um, Which was, (laughs) drop the mic moment. Um, But this is the kind of of love that he had, right? He was not looking at it in terms of um, absolute value according to one's sins, but rather according to one's heart and desire um, and struggle. So I could go on and on and on, I won't. He cared nothing for fame to the point that when Emperor Constantine was writing him letters, he didn't even want to reply um, he was begged by the monks to, like, acknowledge the emperor with a short reply. Um, and the emperor was vowing him anything that they wanted. He would build the monastery, do whatever, and he was just like, we don't want anything. Just be a good emperor, fear the Lord, and love God. That's all we care about. Um, so he wasn't even swayed by literally the ruler of the known modern world, um, sending him a letter. And he got upset with the monks, saying, you're so excited that an emperor is writing you a letter And you're not excited that the King of Kings and author of life and master of the universe wants to interact with you. Um, Another of his main lessons, that hopefully one of the last ones, is his focus on today. Not yesterday and not tomorrow. He had a long meditation on on living today. Of saying that the past is gone. Right and the future isn't here. There's nothing you can do about it. Use every single moment like it's a new beginning, and you'll never go astray. Right? Is that there's don't have your thoughts and worries and concerns about things that you have zero control over. You can't control the past and you can't control the future. You can control only your thoughts, your actions, your wills, and your deed right now. So at the old age of 105, um, in extremely good health. Um, they said all of his all of his teeth, like they weren't, like everything about him was, was in good shape. Um, he knew it was the time of his, his death. So he called two or three of his disciples um, and told them that it was time for him to go to the Lord. Um, and he commanded them, saying, Please do not do as the custom of the people are and put my body on display. Um, I want my body hidden. I don't want to be making a spectacle of. If our Lord was buried in a tomb, I'm no better than my Lord. I want to be buried. Um, so he commanded them to keep it as a secret um, and laid himself down and slept in the Lord January 30th um, of the year 356, um, thirty, a little over 30 years after the Council of Nicaea, um, leaving a legacy that within... A decade of his death, his biography was already um, written. His life had reached Europe um, and started up monasticism there. It it literally changed the world. It flipped the world upside down. Monasticism took the world by storm. In Egypt, we had so many monks in those centuries um, from St. Anthony's teaching that they used to name monasteries from the road from Alexandria down to shahit today um, by mile markers from alexandria and one early traveler from that time said that you would if you started walking at night you wouldn't miss Tezbeha if you walked for three or four hours because you could hear it being sung from monastery to monastery um, as you went because of the number of, of monks that were there that were in the thousands he completely took the desert by storm and in our church particularly, the impact of monasticism entered the churches like crazy. We are you won't feel it unless you go outside of our church. The Coptic Orthodox Church is a very monastic um church. Even the piety of the people is very monastic. Your use of the Agbaya. Egbeya is a monastic thing. Our use of Tezbaha, that's a monastic thing. Um the insistence on a spiritual guide, that's a monastic thing. Um in the early church it was more of just a, a confession of just hears my sins. Um, so it had a big impact. Um, Antony to this day appears often in his monastery and to his disciples. I remember one of my first retreats, the monks telling me that, um, they feel for those who are close to him, they feel his presence so strongly that when they do something wrong, they feel his chastisement. Um, not even with anger, but just feeling like, I'm sorry. And they stare up at the mountain. Um, and, um, um, when they're going well, they feel his his encouragement. Um, you all heard of when Lazarus. He called him by name right here, or individually, not by name. Um, but he's active. Um, I'm not going to keep going because I promised I wouldn't, but there's so many stories, even of modern miracles and apparitions of his mercy and his love and his compassion. Um, if you don't have an intercessor, start with St. Anthony. Um, but I hope that all of you... Um, develop a relationship with the saints um, to keep them as a part of your life, and to, to meditate on what they did right, right, and what what they did in, in their battles, so that you can learn from, so that they can always be present with us. I feel strongly the presence of the saints of all three of our altars, and so I pray that we keep their their tradition and their their witness alive. Um, so I hope that. Um, every Ashaya from now on now that we're up here we always I'm gonna God willing while I'm on retreat write unless I can find one a doxology for the for the new marchers and I want us to always make sure we say those three doxologies at least of these three um, every Vespers every Matins um, and keep them in our conscious lives and intercessions May their prayers and blessings be with us all. And glory be to our God forever and ever to the age of ages. Amen. We want to thank you so much for listening to St. Basil's podcast. We hope that you have gained spiritually from our remarkable speakers, and we appreciate your support towards this podcast. St. Basil American Coptic Orthodox Church is looking to purchase a home, and we would love for you to be a part of our community. We are looking to raise funds towards this novel mission, Orthodoxy in an American context within the San Diego area. You may donate online through our website, www.stbasil.net, that's www.stbasil.net, or click on the link below and it will take you to our donations page. You may also mail in your contribution at the address located on our website, We thank you for any contribution, and may our Lord Jesus Christ always bless your heart and home.